0: Okay. This is so dumb that I'm doing this right now. What time is it? It's two o'clock in the freaking morning. I've had enough sake and ramen to give me the liquid courage to publicly say something on this podcast that is possibly the one of the most controversial beliefs that I hold as a musician. I'm literally taking off my clothes as I'm recording this. Sarah is in the bathroom here, and I started telling her this thought. Say, he- say hello so people know it's you. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> Sarah is washing her face. We're getting ready for bed. Uh, but here's the deal. I was just reminded of a belief I have. call it the myth of intentionality, and I, I'm f- I guarantee Musicians listening to this right now are going to be super annoyed at this and totally disagree. But that I think it's totally fine. My my whole the whole deal my whole deal is that as a, a shitload of artists. I believe and musicians we unconsciously have this belief that the people that uh, we respect and we look up to,
1: uh,
0: the people we look up to,
1: I said it's part of my bedtime routine. <laughs> to blow
0: your nose. Yeah, always. All right. Uh, t- the people we look up to like say your like favorite album you like whatever whatever it is you like we we put people on pedestals and we assume that every musical decision they made was intentional right right like oh man i'm looking for the sound i have the sound in my head and i'm going to i have all i know exactly what i'm going for Uh, and now my only job is to try to experiment until I can get this sound out of my head and into the world so other people can hear it. I think that uh, can be true a lot of times, but I also think that can be a load of bullshit. Yeah, I think
1: that's true in any kind of field. You know, you look at someone who is more advanced than you in your career or whatever, or even a celebrity, you know, and you think that, Everything was intentional that brought them to that pivotal moment and brought them to where they're at now. That's not how. That's not how things work. Like you said, that can happen. Yeah, it can be that intentionality. But a lot of times, it's like oh, I was bored and I put this on YouTube and I became famous. Oh,
0: damn it! Yes, okay. So I mean, even careers. So I'm fascinated with. I'm outside of the podcast. I'm constantly asking uh, friends in conversation, like, "How did you get to this?" career that you're in right now i'm fascinated by this i used to think when i was younger that everybody you know right like as a high schooler what 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 you're almost told is what do you want what do you want to go study what do you want to be when you grow up and so you have this like massive anxiety leaving high school to like figure out your freaking degree and your direction in life uh and i the problem with that is it instills within us this this pressure to have it figured out, and this thought that everybody who ended up wherever they are, successful, not successful, happened that way because they set out to do that or they were intentional yeah, I think about it,
1: creates it creates a singularity. Yeah, in your decisions that is false.
0: Ah. So, let me back up where this, uh, the musical side of this, is coming from. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were hanging out uh, with my buddy Mike, and it was that point in the evening where. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, where you are—you're listening to music, you're taking turns picking the songs they're gonna play. Uh, and he was playing vinyl. It was that point in the evening where he pulled out like some really like obscure like country albums I'd never heard of before, uh, and then he moved on to an album uh, by an artist named Marty Robbins, and he was—he was playing this song called. I love them recording a podcast and. What am I doing now? You are using your electric toothbrush. Um, all right, I'm half, I'm half undressed, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll go in the other room and I'll start taking out my pants while you keep brushing. Okay. Uh, Marty Robbins. No, no, I'll stand here with you. Uh, Mike pulled off, out this vinyl by Marty Robbins, uh, and he started playing this song called Don't Worry. And he was pointing out, he's like, Rob, you you love fuzz. Like you do like fuzz bass and distorted bass lines and stuff like that. You'll love this. This is super crazy. This is back in the 60s. And this has to be one of the first times anybody ever played fuzz guitar. And it's really obscure because it almost feels like it doesn't fit on the song.
1: I'll understand. Don't worry about me.
0: Like, it's, it like catches you out of nowhere. Like, where does this come from? it's so cool that he was so, like, innovative. Right, like that's the first place you go. But I was thinking about it. I was interested. I was like, okay, where? Uh, how did he actually? Because that's the what deal, that? right? Like, because if any any self-respecting musician, when you hear a sound on an album, your first thing your first thing is, well, what pedal did he use? So I can go like uh, like my buddy says, gear oftentimes for musicians is the myth of thinking that you can buy talent. So I'm I'm of course like, okay, what? Uh, but then as I was researching. Uh, Marty Robbins, I think. Turns out, uh, in that session, they were playing uh, through a preamp channel, and uh, he was playing a guitar solo, and the preamp channel was busted. And I don't think it was Marty Robbins; it was another uh, uh, his another guitar player on uh, the session, and the preamp was was broken and so it accidentally made this like distorted fuzzy sound and the guitar player was like oh man this sucks i hate this sound let's ob- obviously let's fix this but the producer was like hell no we're not touching this this is amazing we're going to keep this so they had this like massive argument the producer won and it ended up on the album so we have this inclination. Oh, this is so cool. You had this idea in your mind, you freaking reach out, you do it, whatever it is. Uh, like the idea comes first, the gear comes second. Like there is like this thought for me. I remember, okay, here's a good example. I remember the first time I ever experienced a professional recording studio situation. And I was like a freshman in college. And for part of our uh, studio classes, we got to go into a professional studio and listen to professional musicians record a song. And while we're in there, we got to sit in the back and we got to ask any questions we wanted. And I remember the uh, bass colleagues, the other bass students in there, uh, we were sitting around and uh, we were all listening to a guy who's been on, uh, a mentor of mine. Uh, Ian Allison, who has now become a close friend, and uh, he was my bass instructor at the time, and we were all sitting and asking him questions, and he would, like pull up a bass, and, like play play a track. And I remember all the other uh, bass players were like, "Oh man, okay, what what is that bass? Like what what is the uh, like like what what year is that Fender bass? Or the, okay, what pedals are you are you using on that?" But in my mind, I remember sitting there and feeling so out of place. Because in my mind, I was more curious about wondering not what he was grabbing, not what instrument he was reaching out for, but in my mind, I was wondering why he was reaching for that. Like he had a Fender jazz bass and a Fender P bass right there, and I remember I was like, okay, look, well, yeah, great, these are really cool instruments, but why, when you're listening to this tune... What is it that makes you want to reach for this specific P bass instead of the jazz bass in this circumstance? And all of a sudden, I started realizing a secret. Hofi, I started realizing the secret that uh, I didn't really fully believe until recently, and that is none of it fucking matters. If, if Ian would have grabbed, maybe, you know, probably disagree. He would think, oh man, a, a P bass. And but, maybe, tons of people would probably disagree. Oh man, a P bass would sit better in this spot than a jazz bass. This song calls for this. This is what the song's begging for. For me, I'm like, I, I thought, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, did you grab a, this P bass because it was right for the song? Or. Because you grabbed the p bass, does that mean it was right for the song? I realized in that moment that all music is f- mu- all music is freaking preference. That's all music is, and when I when I, uh, when I lose sight of that truth. Right, like when I lose sight of the truth that all music is just freaking preference, uh, and I start thinking about there's a right choice. Like there's a song. Like if I'm in a session and I'm like uh, they pull up a song, we're about to record. In my mind, I get in my mind. Oh my gosh, there's a right choice. What bass? What bass is right? Like right? That's like the, even the lingo we use. What ba- What guitar is right for this song? It's paralyzing. It's paralyzing for me at least. But it's when I realize that there is no, there's no right answer. Uh, Whatever you're feeling in the moment, whatever gets you pumped, whatever is moving in the moment, whatever you're pulled towards, that's just your preference. And your favorite musicians and your favorite freaking producers and your favorite albums, your favorite artists, the music they made that you love now, I mean... <laughs> Freaking look at, everybody talks about like, oh, you know, like uh, Paul McCartney uh, playing like his just legendary bass lines uh, with his Hoffner uh, bass with flatwounds. And it's, uh, here's why this Hoffner bass is the perfect bass for the Beatles tone, all that stuff. It's like, you think about that and I get in my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, Paul I mean, he just was so advanced. He knew that this was the perfect freaking instrument for the, but lately I've been thinking to myself that that's total bullshit. Like, what if... Like, that's just maybe that guitar for him at the time. Like, what if the Hoffner bass for him in his hand size, right? Like the neck just felt better in his hands. Like, what if like the feeling of those strings and like the look of it and the way it hung around his neck and like the weights and it's a little bit lighter than some of the other gigantic P basses and like all these other little factors. What if he just like picked one up one day? I was like, oh, yeah, I like this. I like the way it sounds. His preference, in the end, at a later time, looking backwards, ended up defining a sound and made something so legendary and and notable for him. And like I, I constantly freaking say on this podcast, like, definition and brand and defining your music and coming up with your sound, all that stuff is only defined by looking backwards. Like very rarely is it, uh, it, can you find your voice or your sound or anything by sitting there and just thinking about, okay, what am I going for? No, that's like, it's typically it's by picking up, following your own curiosity, finding the things you like, finding the guitars, uh, that feel the best for you, that you feel like that you enjoy playing, uh, it like, uh, find, I mean, and all, by the way, I'm, this, all of this is total bullshit too. uh, every single thing I'm saying right now is total bullshit because uh, I, t- I totally nerd out about all the gear all the time. Like... Even if something as small as like pencils for writing. I've done like I've spent hours and hours and hours researching. Okay, John Steinbeck used a Blackwing uh, 602 pencil, and uh, you know, and that and like the the firmness of the graphite and the sharpening and like the Japanese c- incense cedar uh, wood. It's like the, that is the perfect pencil. And as I'm writing, maybe I should. do... Well, like I love doing that stuff. I love diving into it. I've spent hours and hours, and I still continually will. Nerd out about going on to base forums and learning about okay, who freaking used this? What was used on this recording? Whatever. I think it's all fine, and maybe this, maybe this whole rant and maybe my whole opinion about this thing is, is totally bullshit in and of itself. But at the end of the day, um, lately, I have found so much damn freedom by recognizing that all art. All music, there are no right answers. That There is all preference. All music is just freaking preference. And the preference doesn't have to be directly uh, what it is you're making and the result of what it is you're using to make. Like, again, that John Steinbeck thing. Like, the result doesn't have to be... Maybe he didn't uh, use that specific pencil because he felt like, okay, how hard he presses with it. it. It will give him the perfect density and darkness of lead on paper and the point retention. You have all this stuff nerding out about it, and that's exactly what I... What if... He just liked the weight and the feel of that specific pencil. What if it had nothing to do? Well, I mean, like pencils are you don't write better, you don't come up with better words because of pencils. But maybe there's some magic in the sense of like nerding out and following your own sense of curiosity about what gets you excited. Like maybe it's that feeling of the lead and the pencil on paper and the smoothness of it and the feeling of it in your hands like that's obviously like obvious a pencil is not going to give you any better words but then why the fuck do we think that us an instrument is going to give us like make us play better like it sure it'll inspire you it'll inspire you to pick your up your instrument more i mean i the one of the greatest things about buying a new guitar is the fact that you enjoy, you're excited about it. It makes you want to um, pick it up more and play more. It makes you uh, want to, I feel like it, it inspires you to play something differently, the, the, the way it feels. Um, it, it makes you almost feel like there's songs hidden within this that you can bring to life. So this isn't about, uh, this is my thoughts right now. They huh? aren't uh, at two freaking, what time is it right now, Hopi? What? It's 2.44. My thoughts aren't that gear doesn't matter. Because um, it, it, it is. Gear does matter. And sounds do matter. And nerding out about that stuff does matter. Uh, but and, I think what this is about is the need to... Quit putting people on pedestals. Quit assuming that uh, everything you hear was done intentionally. Uh, There's a ton of examples, but I I think. But the main thing right now is just a reminder. This weekend, for you, wherever you're at, if you're listening to stuff, you're finding information. Right now is such a weird, freaking time, where it's really we're all on social media we're all everybody's putting out more freaking content and songs and art in the world we're all like we're all like consuming more than ever and so in this it's very easy to compare uh, someone's finished product with our behind the scenes and uh, when we do that the first thing for me is assuming that this other person uh, just knew what they were doing the entire time. And I, by doing that, I put pressure on myself when then I finally pick up my instrument or my voice or I pick up this microphone and freaking start recording a podcast right now at 2:45 in the morning. Uh, like, I just I, I think, okay, well, you know, like the, the legendary podcasters in this world, maybe they, they, they knew exactly what they were doing in the time. So now I got to figure out and know exactly what I'm going to say and what this podcast is going to be all about. I get in my own head thinking about, okay, what's the perfect microphone I'm, I need to use? I got to get that all figured out. No. Like, what if. It's not, what if your goal shouldn't be to curate your preference to prefer the best, the most proper thing, the proper tool for the job, the proper sound, whatever it is you're working on. What if all art and all creativity and all music is just freaking preference, man, then that frees you up to quit giving a damn about what the right thing is, what anybody else will like. And just ask yourself wait, right now, what do I like? So that's all I got. I'm going to end this. Sarah is, Sarah is now finished doing her makeup. She's laying in bed. Do you have anything to say to prove that you're in bed?
1: I'm playing a card game
0: on my phone. <laughs> Hofi, thank you for letting me record this. You do you, my friend. All right, let's end it with this. If maybe if you disagree with me, totally cool. If you have different thoughts, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe I'm totally off here. Uh, Reach out to me. www.thecuriouspod.com contact, or you can call the podcast. Hotline the numbers in the show notes below. But I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with thoughts from uh, Tom Morello, legendary guitar player, uh, from Rage Against the Machine, talking about why he does not think the gear matters at all. All right, stay curious, everyone. Is it important
1: to you what type of guitar you play? Is there a certain guitar that is uh, nothing? Doesn't matter, not at all. And this is controversial in the world of like sort of guitar players. Is that I don't believe it matters at all, and none of the none of the gear matters whatsoever. Like with me, I this was probably 1988. I went in, I spent a few hours twiddling some knobs, and I just said. I'm done. I don't like this sound particularly. It's not what I'm imagining in my head, but I'm sort of obsessing and anxious about it. I'm going to never think about these knobs again. I'm never going to think about this guitar again. These are the settings. I'm now just going to worry about being creative with the sound that I have. And those that amp, it's right over there. Over What the, is that the, amp? It's a 50 watt Marshall head and a, a PV cap, which is like what I bought at the time. And the settings I marked on that day in 1988, the amp is still set to those settings. The guitar is the one that I've played on every record and every show, every tour. And I just said, I'm no longer going to burden myself with this. I have to have the right gear and I have to have the right guitar. It's like, I got the guitar I got, and now I'm going to put all of my energy into sort of imagination and creativity. same with guitar effects pedals. I have basically three, there's three pedals for 35 years that are the same ones that I've just applied myself to by embracing those limitations helped me tremendously creatively because I'm never going to worry about that stuff. At the beginning of Rage Against the Machine, really for me was the turn where it went from being a technically skilled musician to becoming an artist. And I found my own voice on the instrument when I began self-identifying as the DJ in the band. And I stopped practicing scales eight hours a day. And I started practicing mistakes eight hours a day. And all of a sudden, I was just hearing the instrument in a different way. And it was creating a vocabulary of sounds that were not from the Chuck Berry book or the Eddie Van Halen book or whatever. And And then the blinders were off.